Well, good morning. Welcome to all those who are joining us on site and online today. And a special happy Father's Day to all the dads and grandpas that are with us today. Today is that day where we celebrate all things great about our dads. Our dads, you know, those, those couch sleeping, car washing, loud sneezing, lawn cutting, advice giving, joke cracking, burger flipping, cool dressing, socks and sandals, guys that we all love, right? We love and celebrate those today, so we're glad to have you with us if you do find yourself being one of those dads, granddads, or even great granddads we have with us as well. And Andrew, he slipped out, nope, back, there he is, you moved on me, there you are. Uh, Special congratulations to you as well on being a new dad. And the staff will confirm with me as well that Andrew has been in training the last few months and his dad jokes have been gradually improving. And he's moving from the minors to the majors. So for example, just this past week he came in and he was telling us about this new house. That, you know, they've got a new house recently. And he was fixing up the yard for the first time. And he came in with this, this amazed excitement that he has this, there's this beehive he found in the backyard. And he's like, it's the most amazing beehive. I can hear the bees inside, but there's like no hole for them to get out. I, I, they're in there somehow, but they can't come and go. There's no hole in the bottom. He says, it's absolutely unbelievable. So. <laughs> He's getting better. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways, as hilarious as dad jokes are, <laughs> jokes like that are some of the classic things that dads all say. And so I think we should give dads, myself included, a free pass on those today. But you may recall that a couple of Father's Days ago, we shared with you a video called Things or Stuff That Dads Never Say. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But it was a humorous look at fatherhood. And some of the things that dads tend to never say. Well, good news. There's a part two to that. So do you want to watch part two? Awesome, because we're going to. So so here's part two that further examines things that dads never say. Life is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. Uh, I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey, we're all going to go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills. Yay, traffic. Woohoo, taxes. Yes, laundry. Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason, texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please, mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks.
doing? I'm gonna bungee jump out of this tree. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have ever said any of those things. You know, but as I was reflecting this week on what perhaps I could share with you on this Father's Day, my heart was drawn towards stuff that I believe dads can never say enough. And as I thought about some of these things that dads can never say enough, one thing that I was struck by very, very quickly was how many of these things that I would jot down so closely resemble our father, the father heart of our God. And so whether you were a dad or or whether you had a dad like mine who tried to speak life into your life, or if you had maybe a father who was unable or unwilling, I pray that today that you'll be able to take heart in what your heavenly father speaks over you. And for the dads in our attendance, including myself, maybe not only receive these words today, but also strive to use them to speak life into the lives of those that God has entrusted to our care. So we're going to have a look today at some of the stuff that dads can never say enough. And I want to begin with perhaps maybe one of the most basic things. But one of the most foundational things that a dad can never say enough, and that is, I love you. I love you. This is at the heart of what God says and actually demonstrates throughout the Bible. And when God says, I love you, it's a special love. It's, you see, it's, it's a type of love that he doesn't just choose. It actually emerges from God's very nature. But even more significantly than that, it's a type of love that he demonstrates not just to a select few, but he demonstrates to all people. All people. And that's what we actually read about one of the perhaps the most famous verse, well, most well-known verse of the Bible, John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Now, the word love that we find in this verse and in other verses that happen to refer to God's love for all people, the word used here, you maybe heard of this before, is agape love. It's a specific type of love. It's not a sort of sappy, sentimental, feeling kind of love. Agape love is considered the highest form of love. Some theologians even refer to it as fatherly love. Why a fatherly love? Well, here's where it gets really special. A fatherly love because it's a love that we don't earn. And it's a love that we certainly don't deserve. And yet it is a love that we receive, even though... We don't receive it. It's not granted to us by our doing. You see, we experience this love simply by our being. By our being. What qualifies you to receive this love? Simply the fact that you are. How how do we understand that? Well, I think the best way to explain that is, is again, think of Pastor Andrew this past week as a new dad. And those of us who also find ourselves as being parents can go back and remember And experience that moment where for the very first time you experience this new type of love that you've never known before. Because I guarantee you that the very moment baby Ella was born, Andrew instantly loved her simply because she was. That was the only reason. Simply because she was. She had done nothing to that point to earn it or to warrant it. But she was the beloved object of it. And the most powerful aspect of this idea of being loved simply because you are is that in that moment, 
I believe that Andrew would have done anything for his daughter, even given his very life. That is fatherly love. The fatherly love that moved the father to step down from heaven, to take on flesh and bone, and to willfully sacrifice himself, to lay down his life in our place, to pay the price for our sins, not because we had done anything to deserve it, not because we had done anything to make ourselves worthy of it. And how do I know that it wasn't because we were worthy of it? Because what does this verse tell us? It tells us who did he love? He loved the world. All people. And what do all people hold in common? We've all wronged others. We've all been wronged by others. We've all gone contrary to God's will and plan and character and desires. And these are the things that the Bible calls sin. All, all the world are holding certain things in common, one of those being that we are all sinful and that sin separates us from the Father. But not because of what we had done, because of what he has done, he stepped down and he paid the price for those things. That's what Romans 5, 8 talks about when it says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, oh, Christ died for us. It's in those moments that he died. And out of this love, he gave his life. And here's one of the most amazing things that I've always found about this act of love for the world. That while we were still sinners, Christ gave his life for us. That he paid the ultimate price out of love for the whole world simply so we would have the mere opportunity to say yes. You see, he was willing to do that, fully aware that some people would reject it. Some people would say no. But he still died for them, gave his life for them, simply to have the opportunity to say yes to him. That's how much the Father loves us. That's how much the Father loves you and desires to have this personal relationship with you. And, and I don't know who needs to hear this today on, on Father's Day. I, I, I don't know who this might be for, but hear the heart of your Heavenly Father who says, I see you, I know you, and I love you. If you happen to have an earthly father who is unable or unwilling to say those words to you, I pray you will not allow that to muffle the voice of your heavenly father who cannot say enough to you. I love you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how our heavenly father loves us so much? And when we hear this truth, you know, each person then buys himself at this moment of choice. Because we have to choose whether or not we're going to receive it or acknowledge it. Because there are some, as I mentioned, who will reject that. But we have to choose. Will I acknowledge it and will I receive it? And for those who choose to receive it, an amazing, beautiful, incredible thing happens. You know what happens? The minute we acknowledge and receive that love to ourselves, he says something else. You see, we become adopted in the family of God in that moment. And your heavenly father then says to you the words, I am proud to call you my child. Oh, isn't that beautiful? I am proud to call you my child. And as followers of Jesus, people who have, who have experienced and received this, we really need to step into the full understanding of our position as children of God. As Ron read earlier, 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is definitively what we are. Children of God. That is a powerful declaration. You know why it's powerful? Is because it's not making a temporary statement. It's not making a 
just periodic transitional suggestion. It is making an eternal declaration of your eternal position. You see, you are not adopted into the club. You are, you are not adopted into the group. You are drafted to the team of God. Because if so, then you could lose your membership just as easily as you received it. Simply by no longer agreeing with the masses. Simply by no longer being good enough. Three strikes and you're out. We weren't adopted into the team or the club. It says we were adopted into the family of God. And family is an ironclad bond. Do you ever think about that? See, here, what do we know about families? We know this about families. We know that you can pick your friends, you can pick your clothes, you can pick your nose, but you are stuck with your relatives, right? That's an eternal fact. There are certain things in this world we can pick, but there are other things like family we are just stuck with. And once you are adopted into the family of God and you accept and you acknowledge his love for you, made real through Jesus Christ, he calls you family. That's amazing. And I think it's so amazing it should give us confidence in our position before our Heavenly Father where we then become confident enough to approach him. It says in Hebrews 4, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive grace, may receive mercy and find grace and help in our times of need. For the parents that are here, when your kids fail, when they disappoint you, and it happens, right? You ever, you ever disown them? No, no, I didn't say, did you feel like it? Did you think about it? <laughs> That's a different question. We've all thought about it. You know, we all thought, you know, two out of three ain't bad, right? <laughs> no, two, one. <laughs> We've thought these things in our humanness, but, but have we ever actually disowned them? No, we don't. In those moments when they disappoint us and when they fail, when they make mistakes, they go ways we don't want them to go, we feel it, but we invite them to come. We want to help them. We want to encourage them. We want to instruct them. We want to help them learn. We want to help them grow. Well, how much more so our Heavenly Father, who welcomes us to come and looks at us and says, I am proud to call you my son. I am proud to call you my daughter. So in, in times of need or in times of joy, and maybe in times of doubt or sorrow, in times when you're lost, even in the times of just, of just routineness of life, I hope you'll feel confident to know that your heavenly father loves it when you come to him. And when you say, Dad, I, I need your help. Dad, Dad I want to... I want to talk. Dad, do you have a second? You know what he responds by saying? What is it, my son? What is it, my daughter? I'm listening. This is just some of the stuff that dads can never say enough, especially our Heavenly Father can never say enough. He says, I love you, and I am proud to call you my child. Isn't that amazing? Now, some people struggle with this a little bit. They struggle with this personal nature of the Heavenly Father. And sometimes they struggle with it because they think, well, there's just so many people in the world. He loves the whole world. There's so many people in the world. How and why would he just care about little old me? Well, I want you to understand if you've ever had that thought before, 
that your heavenly Father loves each and every single one of you like there is only one of you. And that's why he also says to us, you are precious to me. You know, and we think about this concept, I think one of the best places we can do so is look at one of the parables that Jesus taught. And we find this in in the book of Matthew where Jesus talks about how there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep. And it's this parable of the 99 leaving the 99 for the one. And you are that one. It's in Matthew 18 where, where God is compared, Jesus compares our heavenly father to a shepherd who has 100 sheep, which is an average sized flock in that particular time and place. But one of those 100 from the flock wanders off. Leaves the other 99 with the shepherd and the shepherd with other shepherds, and then he goes off to find the one. And we read this in verse 13. He says, And if the shepherd finds that one, if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Why would he rejoice over the one? Over the 99. Like in most areas of life, 1% loss would be considered very acceptable, wouldn't it? Consider, for example, if you ever worked in a restaurant industry, if your food loss is below 4%, you're considered doing very, very well as a restaurateur. If you look at sports, in the NHL, the very best season's record ever happened was the 76 Canadians who only lost eight games all year, a historic season that is celebrated and probably will never be reproduced. They lost eight games, but historic and celebrated. In business, if a company is is considered to be doing very, very well, if they keep their employee turnover under 10%. So it seems like in most areas of life, there is a degree of acceptable losses. 1% should be pretty good. Because in most areas of life, it seems like there is a degree of acceptable losses. In most areas of life, except one except in the area of family. There's no degree of acceptable loss when it comes to family. Now, we all know there comes a time and an age when kids choose to leave the nest, and, and they might go off to college, or they might go off and get married, or they might be 34, and it's just time to get out of the basement, right? <laughs> These times come, and it's time to leave, right? Get out of the house. Those can be hard, but it's considered natural, those natural times. But when one wanders off too soon, or if one wanders off for the wrong reasons, that's different. That's different. Some of you will know part of our, our story, but we, our, our son Sam, when he was 15, made some decisions and, and ended up leaving home. And for weeks, we wouldn't know where he was or what he was doing. But I can tell you this, over those times when we didn't know where he was or what he was doing, Nadine and I never looked at each other and we're like, two out of three ain't bad, right? (laughs) That never entered into our mind. It's acceptable losses. That's okay. That was never a concept because it's family. No, instead, our hearts were broken. Our minds were completely dominated by fear over concern for the one that was lost. And as days turned into weeks, we were searching the neighborhood, looking for him, going on Facebook and, and going to schools, trying to find him. And then one day, after, after weeks of not knowing where he was, I'm driving home from work, and I stop at a stop sign to let some traffic go by, and a bus goes by, and on the back seat of the bus is my son. 
I had this sudden rush of hope and joy again because that's my son. And I chased that bus. I chased the bus all the way to the transit station where I lost him. And my heart just sank again. And it took time. But when the time came when he came home for the first time in so long, there was this completeness that existed within our home again. You see, folks, you are invaluable to your Heavenly Father. You are not just one in the crowd. You are the one. The one he loves. The one he desires to have a relationship with. The one he misses when you wonder, when you wander. The one he pursues when you stray. And if you have been gone for a while, if you are in a season of wandering or strain, you need to know that he's calling you home. That he's looking for you, pursuing you, and he's calling you home. Why? Because there's some things that your Heavenly Father can never say to you enough. I love you. I'm proud to call you my child. Why? Because you are precious to me. Isn't that amazing? But only does he say these things. But he also demonstrates this to us as well. You see, out of abundance of this love that our Heavenly Father has for us, something else that he says to us is, is, I want the very best for you. I want the very best for you. And what loving parent doesn't, after all? What loving parent doesn't take great joy in giving good things to their children? You know, I, I remember the Christmas of 1996. Nadine and I were recently married, and we had Kaylina, but we didn't have any money. <laughs> Young family story. We're just trying to keep a roof over our head, food on the table, clothes on our back. That's what we had. Well, we had something else. You see, before I got married, like most of my friends back in that day, I also had an audio system in my car that cost more than my car. <laughs> yeah, there's some guys who are not into that one, right? I had a sub box in the back with a 12-inch rock port sub. I had two block punk three-way six-by-nines in that box. I had a set of six-and-a-half-inch speakers in the doors and three, two three-inch tweeters in the dash, a 600-watt Rockford punch amp and a powered EQ. I had a multicolored deck with a six-disc changer in the back. Nadine hated it. She did. She hated it. I loved it. I loved it so much. And knowing that this was in my message today, literally, I dreamt about it last night. I did. I, had a, I was showing it to Zach. I was, I was like, Zach, check out my stereo. So <laughs> I did. It, I paid thousands of dollars for it. But it was Christmas time, and we had no money for presents. And my boss, is, my boss wanted to buy a stereo for his son's car. So for a few hundred bucks, I sold it to him. And I used the money to go buy gifts for my kids, for the family. And I can tell you, it was worth it. They were happy. I was happy. I was providing for them. The, the only really hard part was that my boss's son worked at the same shop as me, and so every morning, boom, boom, boom. I could hear him driving to work. I'm like, that sounds good. It sounds better in my car, but it sounds good still. I could hear it every single day. But it's just this small glimpse into our Heavenly Father's heart for you and his desire to give you the very best. See, Matthew chapter 7 says, You parents, if your child asks you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Of course not. If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. 
So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, our heavenly Father knows what we need. And he loves to give us the desires of our hearts. Now, if you hear that and your mind immediately goes to, i got to get my own car, all right? i got to get my own stereo for my car. I, I need this vacation for the summer. Those are not out of the realm of possibility. But I want to suggest to you that you're missing something greater. You see, the greatest gift that our Heavenly Father can give us is himself. The very best we can ever receive is his presence in our lives. Because when he gives us himself, when we have a relationship with him, he says in Scripture that it renews our minds, that we can discern direction and purpose in life. It says when we have a relationship with him, when we delight in that relationship, that we can experience his agape love, but only experience it, but then share that with others as well. That when we seek him in our times of need, we find that he already knows, and he's already ready and willing to help us in those times. And when we allow his influence into our lives, he gradually shapes us into his image. And so folks, on this Father's Day, I invite you to hear these words from your Heavenly Father. These words and these demonstrations of these words that he can never say to any of you enough. I love you. I'm proud to call you my child. And because you are precious to me, I want the very best for you. Now, as you consider those words and as we move to close today, I want to extend a challenge as well. To all of the dads, to the granddads, to the great-granddads, to the spiritual fathers, to the mentors, to the men of godly influence, to somebody in this world. As we've walked through these four things today, these, this stuff that dads can never say enough, you may have felt a bit of conviction inside your own heart. And to that, I want to say good. Good. I hope there's a sense of conviction in there. Because these are not only things that our Heavenly Father can never say enough to us, these are things that we can never say enough to those entrusted to us as well by Him. So do not be shy about telling your children that you love them. And I promise you this, they will never outgrow it. And if you've never heard it before, you have a dad who loves you so much. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard somebody come to me and say, my dad told me they love me too much. I've never heard anybody ever say that to me. I've heard the exact opposite of it. And as much as this day is to celebrate dads, let us also be a day where we as dads take the opportunity to tell our kids that we love them. Also, tell your kids that you are proud that they are your children. There are many people, especially men in this world, who live with a father wound inside of them where they never heard that their dad was proud of them. And there are some who travel through this entire lifetime seeking to earn the approval of that one person. But when they know that they're loved, when they know that you're proud of them, something happens where you all of a sudden become approachable. And there's this confidence, and they will come talk to you and seek your help with things. A third thing, we can tell them we love them, we can tell them we're proud of them, and we can also make sure that they know that they are precious to us. That they hold a special place in our heart and in our lives. See, our kids will wander and they, and they will make mistakes. They'll choose things contrary to what we want them to choose. But we still love them. And we will still seek after them. 
And when that relationship is continued and relationship trumps all of those things, we will find joy. And then the final thing is, guys, be a good provider for your home. But even more than that, be present in your home. The greatest thing that you can give your family is not material. The greatest thing you can give your family is you. That's what they want the most. So ensure that they know that. Ensure that they experience it, that they know that they are the priority. Not work, not hobbies, not friends, not even church. That they are your priority. That you love them. That you're proud of them. That you're precious to you. And make sure they know that they're the priority. This is some of the stuff that a dad can never say enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the dads that are here. The new dads, the old dads, the stepdads, the foster dads, the spiritual dads, the granddads, the great granddads. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for them. I thank you for their continued work as they fight and strive to, to, to be the leaders in their homes. I pray, Lord, that they would be those who pray for their families, that they would fulfill the holy calling that you have placed upon the men in this world to be priests of the house. And when the time comes, they need to look beyond themselves, that they would find other people who could come around them to support them and encourage them, in particular looking to you, Lord, to be their source of support and encouragement. And Lord, may the dads never, ever underestimate the importance and the influence of being a dad. Because we need to look no further than the power and the influence of you, Heavenly Father. The difference you make in our lives. Lord, I also pray for those who are with us right now who perhaps have never heard of God's love for them. Or perhaps who have heard of it but have taken a step away from it but need to step back into the presence of your love. Lord, I pray that they would know right here, right now in this moment that they can do that today. That your arms are open to receive them back simply by saying thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving me enough to dwell amongst us and to give your life for me. I know I've done things that are wrong. I know that I've sinned and that has led to a separation in our relationship. But I believe that Jesus Christ, through him, there is forgiveness and that I can be declared a child of God. I want to live in your love. I want to be saved by your grace. I want to be shaped by your truth. I want to experience new life in Jesus Christ. As you gave your life for me, I give you mine. And that all of us here would be confident in this, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor present nor the future, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of this creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of our Heavenly Father. In Jesus Christ we pray.